Welcome to the Leanne Hart Podcast. Leanne is a mighty servant to God who wears many hats. She is a wife to J.W. Hart, the Iron Man of professional bull riding, a loving mother, and a bucking bull stock contractor alongside of her husband at Hart Cattle Company. But that's not all. She's an inspirational speaker, pastor, singer, songwriter, worship leader, and a beautiful sister in Christ. After the podcast is over, make sure you give it a like and a share, and please subscribe and review this podcast. Without further ado, I introduce you to your host, a true Holy Spirit hustler, a lovely and passionate woman, Miss Leanne Hart. Hey everybody, this is Leanne Hart with Leanne Hart Ministries, and boy howdy do I have a treat for you as we sit here in a camper trailer at Rodeo Bible Camp in Berryville, Arkansas with someone I love very dearly, and you guys know I love like all the people that I sit with, but I've known this guy I knew you first when you were a kid, mm -hmm. and you're growing into a man, and I'm so proud of you for that. But Tucker Lane, and we were going to really try to pronounce your last name like McWilliam, ma 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 ma, <laughs> like, um, you know, McBurger, yeah. and uh, <laughs> just singling you out there, but... It, yeah, it gets spelled wrong all the time, M-C-M-A-C-S, it doesn't matter. It's yeah, always... yeah, and so, you know, but everybody knows you as Tucker Lane, and you... Um, I want I want you to tell your story, you to share your heart, um, you to share your upbringing. And as you and I sit here, it was this trailer that you and I sat in. Um, I was trying to think of how many years ago that was. Oh, it would have been, it was probably like my, if I was still a student there, it might have been my first year teaching. So this would have been, I mean, almost five. You were still the four or five still years, you know, student. At, at least five years ago, if not more than that. If I was yeah. still a student, probably six or seven years ago. Yeah, I remember you coming in here, and uh, it was midnight. We were, I don't think it was rodeo night. It was one night where we were uh, at the end of chapel, and you came knocking at the door, and we sat in here, and we we talked about life, and we talked about Jesus. Mm -hmm. I, remember the, I remember when I walked in here for the first time, it took me a second to, cause you were on, you let me in and you were on FaceTime with, with J Dub, and I remember like, that guy's on TV. <laughs> That's the Iron Man. Yeah, and I was like, he's just J Bubble. He's yeah. just J Dub. But, um, yeah. So as we sit here, and I was excited that you said yes to doing a podcast because I know you have, you have things to share. Mm -hmm. You have past, present, future, all of the things, and yes, you are a successful bullfighter. And, uh, but you're a successful man, and you're growing into a great leader and a great teacher. And I know my kids, I know Junior Hart looks up to you. Um, and I know so many of these kids around here do. They look up to you because of the way that you go beside them, the way that you teach them, the way that you help them, the way that you get in front of what could hurt them first. And so I think you have a lot to share. So yeah. I'm going to give you the floor. Well, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like me and Paul were talking earlier, and uh, I just I'm living proof that these camps work. You know, I believe wholeheartedly in Rody Bible Camp. I I grew up in Rody Bible Camp. I've been coming since I was nine years old. The one place that I could get away from home. Um, no, my, I don't want to. I don't want to say that my home life was awful because doing these camps, you find out what awful can really look like. Mm. You know, kids coming from everywhere. But but I dang sure didn't enjoy it. You know, yeah. mom and dad fought and and everything else and. 
and now they always did our did their best to make sure we could go out and do the things that we wanted to do and and you know I'm incredibly grateful for that um, I got to rodeo and always go to rodeo Bible camp but they were they were non-believers and that was pretty they were openly non-believers and it was that was just how it was so you know when I went to rodeo Bible camp it was kind of this own little slice of like hey everything's great here all the time nothing bad happens at camp that's just the way it is and so going to camp I was always kind of this just I don't, you know, I don't know if I was stubborn or if I was just dumb or just ignorant to it. But I always knew things were awesome, but I never, never cared to pick up why. And um, you know, I remember the first time I ever heard about Jesus was when I was fourteen, and I know that I was saved then. But it didn't mean anything to me, uh, or it didn't mean what it meant to me until I turned eighteen, and I went to camp for that last time as a student, and. Me and all the kids that I went to camp with, we all went to Applebee's together. It was like, this is, you know, we've, we've been going to camp for the last 10 years together. There's eight of us. And, you know, kids had fallen off over the years went on. But these eight kids, every year for the last 10 years, met every summer for camp. And it was like, look how we've, look how far we've come. You know, this is it. We're, maybe we're going to take this over. Who knows, right? And I remember we had a great night. It was awesome. And I would go to, go to get in the truck to go home. And, like, in the parking lot of Applebee's, just broke down crying because I didn't ever get to go to camp again. I was going to have to go out, and I was going to have to be an adult. I was going to have to go out, and I was going to have to face these things on my own. I didn't have my my shield anymore that was camp. And so, um, you know, I had to batten down, and I had to start learning how to do things um, on my own. And, and it's been a give-and-take relationship since then. You know, sometimes I take a couple steps in the right direction, and, and then while thinking I'm still doing things right, I go a couple steps in the wrong direction, and it feels like I get hit in the head with a steel chair. <laughs> so, you know, um, thankfully, Joe and Kayla, you know, um, me and my parents, we kind of had different relationships. Uh, me and my dad, when I was growing up, uh, we kind of, we, we didn't get along. You know, we would fight from time to time, and um, as I got older, the arguments turned into into fist fights and, and things like that and we'd wrestle and I mean he never hit me like we got you know we got aggressive and whatnot so um you know and, and a lot of that goes back on just miscommunications between you know my mom and my, me and my dad and just things that I was too immature to understand um so you know thankfully throughout all of that I had men in my life like like Joe Kissel and and James Hathaway and guys that just reached in and put their hand on me and just realized that that I just needed someone to, to be there when I needed them and you know and they'd call and they were there and like they just kind of made sure that I was still paying attention to so the things that were going on when you say you know that you may not have had like a said traditional father figure mm -hmm. but you did have father figures in right. your life absolutely how easy was it for you when you first came in contact like and you got connected with Joe and these men how easy was it for you to be corrected in areas well um i was incredibly coachable to say the least and and i don't know if i would have been had it not been rodeo but rodeo based so so let's start there like mm -hmm. when it when you say rodeo based like how did you grow up around rodeo did you grow have a rodeo family like what so did that look like it, i was never a rodeo family mom mom didn't rodeo dad didn't rodeo you know uh my dad uh my dad was in the Air Force, and he was stationed in Missouri when his parents had died. And then he met my mom because she was going to college in the same town. And so I was kind of the accident that decided both of them were going to stay there. Um, but they named me after Lane Frost. 
And so as soon as I was old enough to understand that, it made me want to rodeo. And they made it happen. So from the time that I was nine years old, maybe even eight years old to, you know, to now, I had done rodeo. And I did other sports too, but it was always, all I could think about was, was rodeoing. And at first it was, I wanted to get horses and I wanted to ride them. And then I realized that I don't get along with any horses. So, you know, then I entered the bull riding and I rode bulls for, you know, steers and junior bulls and bulls for all the way up until I was 16. And then uh, I was competing against some guys who um, now are really the best guys in the world. So in high school, like, I just thought I wasn't any good, but in reality, I was traveling to high school rodeos with Creek Young, Colton Hevelo, and G.R. Stratford. So I was and like, Colton, yeah. Colton Hevelo is one of our team he's a, guys. He's, he's an outlaw. outlaw. Right. That's right. So I, I remember when out. I remember when Colton Hevelo was in the mutton busting. Yeah. So and I've known him and his family for a long time, and and uh, shout out to him. I'm incredibly proud of the guy he's become because he, we we didn't used to get along either, but I've nothing but respect and admiration for him now, but. Um, Anyways, um, so I was, but I wasn't any good compared to those guys. And so I was like, "Why well, this is not working out. So I went back to Rodeo Bible Camp, and I just changed from the bull riding to the bullfighting. And everyone was like, oh, but you're so close to figuring it out and everything. And, like, one guy was like, I'm just disappointed. He's like, I'm not mad at you. He said, I'm just disappointed because I really thought you had it in you to do this. And uh, but the kudos to him because I went to my first professional bullfight, uh, like, a year and a half later. And, like, I remember getting the phone call from him, and he goes, I'll be the first to tell you, I was wrong. Yeah, this you are, is, you are a natural. Like, I've, I, I can tell you, I don't have, like, expertise, <laughs> bullfighter, laser eyes, but I've been around enough of, like, the professionals to know when somebody can and when somebody cannot, uh, and you yeah. can. Well, the first time I stepped into the arena, <laughs> I knew instantly this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, this is where I belong. And, and it was... It was calming and peaceful to be out in the arena, you know. Um, me and uh, me and Ty Reef, we were talking not too long ago, um, and uh, I was actually I was teaching a school and I was talking to the students about how there's a lot of voices in the arena, but I need you to just focus on mine and do as I say. And he turned and looked and he goes, "Don't miss what you're the message you're getting right now." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And he goes, "You're being told to get, to get rid of these distractions and focus on his voice." So we sat down and we opened up Kings and we went to the part where he tells Elijah to go to go on the mountain and ignore, you know, he, not in the wind, not in the fire, not in the earthquakes. And, and so we really sat down and we went through all that. And it's, it's kind of cool to realize that, you know, um, to get confirmation that this teaching that I'm doing at the schools and the camps, it's like, it's a, like confirmation that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so it's, it's really nice. And, and to realize that, through the messages I'm trying to share and teach inside the arena, it's so connected to everything that you can share with your walk. And, and not just to teach them that, but to learn it right alongside them is, is a really cool feeling. So so how easy is it for you to translate that into the public arena, like in the professional sport? Well, um, it can be tough. You know, um, it's, it's not super easy. You don't always have... Um, a lot of times when it comes to bullfighting, like especially if you're doing things like PBRs and PRCAs, it's you're not going to get a microphone shoved in your face and get the absolute chance to 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 give the glory to God. And so I really think it's about, you know, whenever you're trying to do this as a profession and make sure that you're being a good role model, it's more about the stuff that you do, you know, outside of the arena than or anything. don't do right or don't do exactly, you know, um, and I think that's actually it's 
the thing that's taken me the furthest professionally in the business world is the fact that I, I try not to go do all those things that the other guys are doing. You know, I'm trying not to be cussing. I'm spending time with these kids, you know. And I've gotten to build relationships with, you know, people like the Lane Frost brand who have become sponsors of mine and take care of me and things like that. And not be, not just because, like, I'm, I'm decent in the arena, but just because they appreciate the things that I do outside of it. You know, and then they've you done... You represent well. Right. And so they, you know... And with that being said, then they, they can come on board and, you know, they donate a bunch of Lane Frost Bibles for us to give away at camps like, like this and stuff. And so sometimes I sometimes you get numb to it. And, like, the biggest example I can give is, like, as a bullfighter, you really get numb to the strength those animals have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you start to kind of... Get lazy? Well, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. But I would say that you start to, like... I've been, you know, you get hit by a bull and it, it doesn't hurt. And you're like, well, you know, he's not a very big Okay, hit. okay, okay. You say you get hit by a bull and it doesn't hurt. Like, I think people are going to have a hard time well, believing you. They, uh, there are ones that hurt. Like, I'm not <laughs> yeah. saying that don't, I'm not saying that none of them hurt. I'm just but, kidding. But occasionally, you know, there's there's times where, you know, something should hurt really bad and it doesn't. And you yeah. walk out, you're unscathed, right? And so you just start to like, well, it's just a bull. Or he's not very big or anything like this. And then you'll, and then you'll see a video of a bull just picking up a car with ease. And you're like, I really forget that uh, this is what they can do. And I think that the same thing happens whenever we're talking about um, your walk. I think sometimes we get so numb to the power that we carry and, and how the, it can affect everybody. And, you know, you may just be such a small piece of the puzzle. And then, you know, six months, a year down the road, you see it all come to life right in front of you. And you just get, you, like, it blows your mind. Like, so the biggest example is right now, right now I'm going through something with my dad. And so, like I said, growing up, we had a rocky relationship. And then my parents got divorced. And uh, obviously things were tough. I was 17 at the time. I was just trying to get out of my own and try to make this this bullfighting thing a career, and so I and I had this to deal with. And I'm the oldest of two of three siblings, so I have a younger brother and a younger sister that that are going through this too. And so there was a whole lot going on at one time, and as the divorce kind of happened and Dad started to get kind of on his own, and my brother kind of <laughs> gravi- gravitated towards my my dad, and and my sister kind of gravitated towards my mom. You know, it it kind of split everything apart. Well. Um, you know, I grew up in a family of non-believers, and that's brother, sister, mom, dad, me, and like so to be the first person to to know that I'm going to heaven was kind of a, a big deal, and so I remember sitting outside one day, and me and dad are sitting out there, and and he is um, a down home redneck, like his favorite thing to do is to sit outside when it's dark, turn on Hank Williams Jr., and just sit. <laughs> And so we're outside doing exactly that. And I just asked him, I was like, hey, what do you, what do you think about God? And he, uh, my brother shuts it down immediately and is like, it's a fairy tale. And walks inside, just leaves it at that. And, you know, that's like, like we're not going to have this conversation at the moment. So, and dad sits and he goes, I don't know. And, wow. and then he goes, you know, my whole deal is if there is a God and he is loving and perfect, why would he take my dad when I needed him the most? So the backstory on that is my dad's dad died when he was 13. And then when he was 18, he lost his mom. 
So he grew up basically without parents. And and the relationship he had with his mom was way bad before she died. And so he was like, so he lo- I lost my dad when I needed him most. And then I lost my mom before we could patch things up. And he's like, why in the world did any of that happen? And this is like, I'm like 18, 19. And I don't know if it was the right thing to say or not. But I remember just thinking, I don't know, maybe you had to do that so you could be my dad. And like, that was kind of the end of the conversation. I didn't think anything of it and just go inside a year later. I'm like, hey, we could kind of use some help at Ray Bobble Camp. Can you come? And uh, he was like, um, actually, no, I, I take that back. I'm just a step. He called me and asked if I could get him a Bible. And I was like, sure, what's up? And he's like, I just have this weird feeling that I need to go to church. And I was like, awesome. Yeah, let me, and this is, this is 2020. This is mid-COVID, right? And he... Uh, he goes, I just feel like I need to go to church. And he's like, and I've been I've been feeling this way for six months. And he's like, and I just had to, I remember I'm making excuses. I got to move along. I got to work. I got to do this. And then COVID happens. And every church in the country goes to Facebook live stream. And dad's like, I don't have any excuses anymore. <laughs> so he starts tuning in the live stream, comes down to help out at camp. And uh, he goes, he said, I, I think about it all the time on how maybe you're right maybe everything I had to do was so I could have the kids that I have and uh, so he he took off uh, from Mount Vernon school he took a whole week off for vacation he's going to come down and do the whole do the whole camp and um, he's just he's gotten a lot closer to God and, and now we can have conversations that growing up we I never even thought to have so, so tonight and you didn't even know this but tonight I'm actually going to bring up generational curses and generational stuff mm-hmm. right and so I was just sitting here earlier me and my little self talking to Jesus and and I was just thinking about how some some of the kids that are here um, some of them are going to be thinking about how they've watched negative discouraging things happen in their homes over and over and they've heard stories of it over and over and over years and years and years of backlash and it just it's a ripple effect but but today, tonight, and even now, and what you're telling me right now is an affirmation, it's a confirmation for me to know that that I heard the Lord, so thank you for that, first of all. <laughs> but that tonight is going to be a night for kids to say, I'm not going to let that happen. Right. Tonight is the night where it stops with me. And I saw that with you a long time ago. I saw that you stood up for your line, for your family. And I saw that in you a long time ago, and you know that because right. I went straight to your nose and just went straight, and that's how right. it is, and 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 that's how I am, which is 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 can feel a little confrontational, but it also can feel compassionate, right? Where you know that somebody loves you so much to say, "Hey, I see something in you," and right. if you can get in front of those bulls and do what you do, right. tell me what does scare you. I mean, come on, right? You know, well, and, and so. You touched on it this morning um, when you were talking about some of the guys on tour. You know, it's not ever the bulls or the the process or the business. It's what's going on when yeah. I get done here. You know, that's that's why I gravitated towards rodeo because yeah. when you get in the arena and there's a fighting bull in front of you or a bucking bull or whatever it is, like it doesn't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter the politics going on. It doesn't matter what your parents are saying. It's now in the moment. You have got to handle it hands-on. Yeah. And when you touched on that, it was like, this is this is exactly what I live on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And and I love it. I, I mean, it, you have to live in the moment. 
you know, and and because of that, like, I had one of the coolest moments of of my life two weeks ago, and not in in the grand like in the grand scheme of things, it was absolutely horrible. I took the <laughs> worst hooking of my life. It's viral on Instagram, TikTok, everything. I had a white bull get me up against the wall in Catown Coliseum, and I thought for the first time in my life he's going to kill me. Wow. And I've been hooked a lot. <laughs> like, you know, I've been doing this as a job for seven years. You get hooked. Yeah. And that was the first time that I thought I was going to die. But not one second did I wonder where I was going. That's good. And so to get get through it and one go, well, I'm glad I didn't die. Yeah. But then to sit back and recollect on it and go. Even if I would. It's, it's kind of nice to know that if he would have won, I think I'd have been all right. You know, so. <laughs> Um, you know, I make jokes all the time. If if I'm gonna go, that'd be a cool way to do it. I just hope it's quick and painless. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, just just quick and painless. So what did come from that, like injury wise? Um, I've got a I had a dislocated rib, um, and then I have a really nasty hematoma on my leg that yeah. is kind of taking some time to heal. But in the grand scheme of things, when you watch the video, like he could have broke my femur, he could have yeah, knocked me out. It could have been like it had every reason to be bad. And like even the bull, other bullfighters there, or like. It should have. It should have been bad. Right. Like not just. Not just. It could have been. It should have been. And you know. And I was rattled because, like I said, I had never been in that place of of mind before. But, um, you know, it was. It's something that, if I have to go through it again, like. It's. It is what it is. I'm. I'm excited. You're prepared. For it. I am. I'm. You know. I. I don't know if I'm physically prepared to get back in the arena after yes. that hooking, but mentally it's it's all I can think about you know we were talking about this earlier that um and this is something where we're actually going to go in the word tonight but we were talking about how um this is war like the enemy is he doesn't play with you we play with the enemy because we don't often believe the enemy is real but he ain't playing with us and last night when I said there's no junior holy spirit and that kid said there is no junior satan either I wanted to get up and shout, but I was reading in the, in the message version in Luke 11, and it says, verse 23, this is war, and there is no neutral ground, and if you're not on my side, then you're on the enemy. If you're not helping, you're making things worse. Right. And so... No, 100%. You, and actually, that's what we touched on in devotions, one of the groups saying, we're going over Ephesians here at the camp and, and talking about putting on the arm of God, and so, like, you know, when I think one thing that I've always taken from that verse that I don't know that everybody does is like you know everybody knows a soldier wears armor and and so a soldier's going to war and that's why he needs his armor but that armor acts as something else too and that's a uniform and that uniform says very clearly what team you're on mm-hmm. and so if you're not wearing the armor of God not only are you not protected but are you on the right team and you wear you, know, you wear right exactly that a, a jersey a, a uniform, a uniform that, clear. and it's got padding and mm-hmm. you're covered yeah, you know it's it's all it's it's so like it's it's just so black and white for me how easy it translates from the arena. Um, here's a cool story, um, and I I don't think he'll mind that I mention his name, but my student um, we were talking earlier, and he asked about Frank Newsom, and said he'd watch the videos and just how tough Frank was and how cool he was, and I was like, well, it's it's nine thirty on a Tuesday, and what's Frank doing? So we called him, and. Uh, Frank kind of asked what his name was, what his age was, and, and spent like, I don't know, 20, 30 seconds kind of talking about basics bullfighting. And then immediately it's like, is Jesus your savior? And the kid's like, yeah. 
And so then he talks for five minutes about how your walk works and how you have to be obedient and you have to correct these habits and, you know, and, and then immediately relates it back to the arena and how you have to be obedient to your coach and you have to trust in them over yourself and correct those bad habits and walks it step by step through it. And I was like, I just, I just was hoping the kid could meet, you know, could talk to Frank and now he's getting, you know, I'm getting this this super awesome message from i mean you know in my opinion the best to ever do it yeah so it was um you know it was really cool and um so if he's out listening you know hey frank that's good stuff man i'll Please. see i'll see frank yeah. in rock springs we're, we're yeah. doing a, a little devo after the bull riding that night i yeah, think he's yeah. bringing some guys down there what's your favorite bull, bull fight my favorite bull fight so um it's actually it's um really really tough on my heart because I, I don't win a lot. I'm very consistently second and third, like which is awesome, incredibly blessed. Um, sometimes I'm just not flashy enough to get the win. And so uh, in 2021, or I think it was 21, okay, we lost Ross Hill. And he was a teacher of mine. And um, that's actually, if, you, if you've followed me, um, you know, my face paint changed during that time, and I added blue stars because those are something that Ross wore, and so it's kind of my commemoration to him. And uh, he was he was an awesome role model when it came to the game, always talking about his I am and how it can be used to motivate you and how powerful I am can be to use and, and say. And so we were in Swainsboro, Georgia, and I ended up getting a refight in the championship round. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking of like, okay, the refight bull is probably not going to be as good as some of the others. What am I gonna do to win? And my phone, I look, I picked it up, whatever, and it says, you know, low power rate, ten percent. I was like, well, darn. Um, so I walked over to the sound man and said, hey, what percentage is your phone at? He says it's ninety percent. What's up? And I said, you know, can I borrow it? And so I went out in the championship round and I did my best to recreate Ross Hill's selfie fake. And I, I had to look over my shoulder. I couldn't quite do it like Ross did, and not look, but. Um, ended up doing just enough to win the bullfight and I just remember like all the emotion and and it being so tough you know so heavy on my heart to represent somebody who meant so much to me and and for it to pay off and hopefully give something back to him and and everything that he taught me and uh he used to he used to throw up his hat and he'd shoot it like a shotgun. So then I'm trying to, you know, trying to just commemorate him as much as I can. And I went to do the interview and I couldn't even, couldn't even talk. I was trying not to cry so hard and it was, it was incredible, you know. And I, I've been back to Swainsboro several times and I've got lots of fans out there in Georgia and it's an incredible place to be. Those people are also so down home and nice. And, um, but by far that that day out in Swainsboro, I'll, I'll remember forever. And, I, and I've gotten to win a couple more, but they'll never mean what, what Swainsboro did. So so what associations are you associated with? So as of right now, um, I'm a freestyle bullfighter for the UBF and the BFO. Um, and then I have my PBR card and my PRCA card. So um, I get to work um, PRCA rodeos with Cord McCoy and all the rodeos that he puts on. Um, and I have a, a few PBRs down there during the Cowtown Challenger Series this summer, so. So question, and this is different from the pace, but because you mentioned, you know, you didn't really grow up with a dad as a kiddo, mm -hmm. all right, but you had other men that stepped up as spiritual fathers to you, and right. now you're this rekindle of you and your 
daddy's relationship, which I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say makes a man? I think you want, that's a tough, that's a tough question, but. I should have prepared you, but I've been sitting here thinking about how proud I am of you because there's a sense of like spiritual mom a little bit to you because that you've been one of my kiddos for a while and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to cry, but I'm just, I'm super proud. But honestly, like to you in thought, I think if I were to break because it down, and I say this because I think that, you know, when you don't really have that father figure, that manly man in your life, um, sometimes it's not very clear. Right. And so, but for, I've seen you evolve. I've seen you step up. I've seen you level up. I've seen you grow. I've seen you step into the arena. I see what doesn't scare you. And I know that obviously that comes from God because he created you to, to for that purpose. Right. And for a greater purpose than even that arena, um, but what what do you, what do you feel like? What what expression? How would you express that? Like, what makes a man? I think if I broke it down, I would make it as simple as his work. Okay, growing up, and I, I don't I don't put this on my on my dad now that I've grown up. Yes. But it always seemed like I was lied to. Whether it was a lost in translation because of my mom or she was turning us, you know, sometimes she kind of said some things to me and then said some things to him that were opposites and kind of batted us against each other or um, or he just made promises that he couldn't deliver on. Yeah. You know, and so that kind of really drove me away. And what made those men so important to me is when they said it, I didn't doubt if they meant it or not, ever. Yeah. And so, you know, whenever I started to get into the into the word, what made it all means like my biggest question was always, how do I know this is true? How, you know, everybody says this is it. This is the truth. How do I know? Because it's not just true because somebody said it's true. How is it true? And the way that I it was broken down to me and now I kind of broke down to it is like, well, it's either all true or none of it's true. Yeah. Like, it, it, you can't just pick and choose. Like, either Jesus rose from the grave and there was no body, or this book means nothing. And so then you start going in and reading and about how when we gather in two or more, he'll be there. And then to actually do it and actually feel his presence. Well, it's either all true or none of it's true. So you just start looking, you know, um, looking for answers to questions. And it's like having a conversation. You know, I've, I, I guess if there was one thing that I kind of get jealous of, it's when people talk about, like, hearing a very blatant voice. It, it's never been that way for me. Yeah. But it's always been like, okay, here's my question. And then, like, I'll sit and I'll be lazy, and I'm like, I still have this question. I still have this question. And then it's like... Well, have you actually looked for an answer yet? And so then you go looking for an answer, and and then it's there. It is. It's exactly what I've been looking for. And sometimes it's not always that I found it in the Word, but it's that I reached out to somebody, and and they're they're who I needed to talk to, yeah. or whatever. But like, you know, the best example is like, well, if you you know, if you're praying for a hole, he ain't gonna just put the hole there, but he might give you a shovel. <laughs> yeah. And so that's kind of where I've been at. 
And, uh, you know, the, the best example, and you, you kind of touched on this too, is we talk about identity. Yeah. And it's so clear cut and dry for me because my identity was rodeo, plain and simple. That's, I lived, breathed, slept, died, rodeo. With, with Jesus on the side, but that was it. Rodeo was one. And I wanted to be a world champion. And in 2021, I hit it harder than I've ever hit it. That was the year I won my first bullfight. And then I strung a couple together. And I got hot at the right time. And then next thing you know, we're a month away from the world finals. And there's a three-man race for the world title. And I'm sitting number three. But I'm but I'm hot. And I'm doing. This is right where I'm, I don't want anyone to think I can do it. But I know I can do it. And then I go to a college rodeo in October. Like three weeks after I'd lost my grandfather. So I was already trying to figure out how I'm going to do this. Man, if I could win the world, that would be incredible to this for my grandpa and, and everything. And then I'm at a college rodeo, and my calf puts a guy in a bad spot. I shoot the gap, and I break my ankle. Just like that. Yeah. And I remember calling the guys like, I'm done. I can't come to this bullfight next week. I'm not going to be at the finals. You know, and then... As tough as that was, like, leading up to the finals was tough, knowing I couldn't win it. But then to sit in the arena with a cast on my leg as they gave away the buckle that I had already written my name on, Mm. it meant it crushed me. Yeah. And so I spent, you know, four to six weeks laying in a college dorm room, letting my grades (laughs) fall apart because I didn't know. Disappointment. Well, it wasn't even that. I just, I didn't know who I was anymore. Mm-hmm. They're having rough stock practice, you know, twice a week, and I can't do anything. And, you know, I know where I belong. You know, I've never doubted where I belong. It's right there in the arena. And so to, to see an empty spot right there and not be capable of doing what I'm supposed to do broke me. And I'll never forget my best friend at the time. He comes in and he's like, hey, you're still you. You need to act like it. And so I was like, whatever, dude. I don't know what that means. And he leaves. <laughs> Get out of here. So he leaves. And I, could, I just sat there all day like, how am I supposed to act like me when I can't be me? And then it was my Bible was just sitting next to me, and it's like, <laughs> flip it open and just... It was just really simple, just John three sixteen, and I broke it down, and I was going through it, and I could hear, I could hear Joe in my head, and, it, and he, he just always he goes, for God so loved the world, and then it stops, and he goes, for God so loved Tucker, and it was like, and I remember, I remember being so mad at myself, I closed it, and I was like, no. and I had to do it again and to just finally wake up and realize like if I can never like fighting bulls is what I do and I love it I know I love it and know it I know I'm supposed to love it know it's there for a reason but I'm created on purpose everything happens on purpose he'll show his glory through it and the only way the devil can win is if he doesn't show his glory through it. And I, I'm i a spoiler alert kind of guy. I read the end of the book. The devil doesn't win. Yeah. <laughs> so 
So that's, I just... So would you say that a real man to you is not one that lies, but one that tells truth? Exactly. And you've yeah. found that in the Father. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's it. That's exactly how I'd say it, you know. And you had to break up with a failure mentality of, okay, I didn't accomplish something, but I'm not going to take on this spirit of failure. Well, it, I, yeah, it wasn't, I didn't even feel like it was a spirit of failure. I just felt like, I felt like... When I finally well, I woke that, up from the... I say the, failure because a lot of kids do something and they fail and then auto, automatically they start telling themselves, I'm not going to even try that again. I'm done with that. Right. That's, you know, that was who I was. It's not who I am. And right. then you said something a minute ago uh, on, the, on the who am I thing. And this is what I do, but this is not who I am. As, you didn't say that, but I heard that right. was no, coming out of but you. But that's, ex- that's exactly what I'm, where I'm at. It, it was just like when I was finally out of it and realized this... Like, I found my identity in God. It was like, I had felt like I was almost worshiping a false idol. And it wasn't a person or an entity. It was, it was a gold buckle. It's good. And that's all I wanted. And uh, What I do is not who I am. Exactly. What and I so, do is not who I am. Like, that's a really good word. It was, it was exactly what I needed. And, and maybe that's, and, and I think that's what, I wasn't supposed to win the world. And maybe I never am. But... I know that if it ever happens, it's because I'm supposed to. If, you know, if something happens and I can't freestyle bullfight anymore and I just have to spend my time at these camps, then that's what I'm supposed to do. And I have 100% faith in whatever and whatever that comes next. I just know my job is to just do my best and try to, like we talked about earlier, get rid of the distractions and hear whatever it is he's telling me. Even if he's just whispering. And the enemy wants to wear you out. Especially when it comes time for you to step into that arena. He wants you to be distracted by what's going on outside of the arena. And then he wants you to carry it inside so that you can't quiet the noise. And so I just appreciate everything you've been talking about with every person that's in your life. And the voices that God has put in your mind. And thank God that he would use joe and different men like that that would speak truth into you when you're laying up there and you're into your feelings and you're making it about you and Mm -hmm. i've been i've been there i've done that and then you're saying to yourself i'm gonna open the word it's right here and you do and it's for god so loved tucker Mm -hmm. and and you heard joe's voice who is an ambassador for christ here from the arena to the cross uh ministries and and that's incredible that that would be implanted inside of your mind and I don't think Joe, you know, is the voice of God, but I know he is a voice for God. Yeah. Definitely. And that's pretty awesome for you to identify that. Right. I mean, you're a voice for God, too. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that you're an ambassador of his voice and his presence. And I'm going to encourage you, even as we're doing this right now, that you may not be able to be in that arena. And you may not even be able to praise God and to do it in a way where there's a big crowd. But when you have men around you just like what he was talking about last night whenever it was who was it given testimony last night that was talking about when he felt it on his heart to start that bible charlie. study charlie mm-hmm. you know and he said i mean i don't want these are a bunch of roughnecks around me right and here the lord is 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 saying to me start a bible study and i know nothing about the word of god and i hear all that you have to give 
and there are people that are hungry out there. And for you to know that I have, I personally have done ministry for PBR, for ABBI events, even at bullfights for 14 years now. Bert and I are sitting here as witnesses. We've thrown down with five men at Cell Barns in South Florida just to do it. So don't be afraid to gather around where you spoke of and you gave life to two or three or more are gathered in his name. There he shall be. You may be the very voice that somebody needs to hear for God to speak through. It's a, it's actually like, I love that you do that because, um, we, uh, Kai brought this up to me because at first it wasn't a big deal to me. Um, but like I, I always, we always pray before introductions at the bullfights and like I do it. And so like we all get together and, and I say the prayer for everybody. And to me it was just like, well, I gotta take care of my boys. We gotta, we need, you know, we need to make sure that God gets the glory from this win, lose, or draw. And so we get together and we have that prayer. Well, then, like, Kai was actually judging the bullfight up in Nebraska. And we were sitting, and and I was like, well, you know, Kai's a preacher. Kai should share a message with everybody. And so, like, um, I'm looking for Kai, and I guess I had missed him or whatever. So he's standing there with the bullfighters, and they were gathered waiting on me to come pray for them. <laughs> and, and Kai's like, you heard them get to work <laughs> and so but it was it was just such a cool thing to realize like oh like now not only is this you know a tradition or something but like now it's my responsibility yeah and it gives i went out and 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 created this and now people are looking to it and maybe maybe to some of them it's just a throwaway thing but maybe to one of them it's not yeah and you know what like there is a power play in popularity that the enemy wants to play off of and he wants to blind you and hijack your potential and that's exactly what he's going to try to do over and over and over because that's his plan for your old patterns so when he sees that you don't care where you are and you're not doing it for yourself and it doesn't matter who is or who isn't there it's going to invade everything about you like god is going to pour out of you and there's going to be a manifestation of growth around you like you've never seen before and people are going to continue to come to you even those little kiddos i know like i said mine that love you to death you know they love you because they know that you love them yeah i and perfect love cast out fear and the perfect one lives in you tucker and he loves through you amen that i just i can't be thankful enough for for places like this camp you know like i said and when i was a kid this just was the place for me to get away from home and i just do my best to make it make this that for some kids you know i know there's kids here who when Wednesday comes, don't want to go home. And, you know, I just want to make sure that, you know, wherever the next kid is who is struggling, and whether it's their mom they don't get along with or their dad or or they're adopted, whatever it is to where home life stinks, you know, one, show them that there's a way to not be a product of that environment, first off. And second, to show them that while it may not be fair for them to be the example to their adults, yeah. it's possible. Wow. And, you know, those of, that's, that's good. huge. It's, you know, I've walked it, I've been through it, and unfortunately I know I have a whole lot more to go through. Um, but I'm so thankful to see it pay off in places. Yeah, that's so it's, good. It's, you know, just to, you know. Yep. To go from feeling like you're not good enough to seeing it in somebody else's eyes and realize that I'm just lucky enough to be used is pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. I was going to ask you one last thing. Do you have anything that you thought of? I was thinking, I think that's good. 
I was thinking of this, and this is the thing. I was thinking about what is something, because I know if I were to ask a Navy SEAL, how would you prepare my son to want to, you know, to, to prepare to be a Navy SEAL? He'd, I've listened to podcast after podcast. Eddie Penny is one I will push all day long, and I've been listening to him now for a couple of days. But, you know, he would encourage somebody to go take your kid to a swimming pool and push them. In, the, in areas because they're going to be getting in the water, right? right? And so, like, and there's different things. Show them, you know, jujitsu. <laughs> Everybody say that three times fast. You know, get them in the ring and do that. But this is a different kind of ring, and, and it's different because you need to have someone out there with experience. So right. how would you lead somebody that's got a kiddo that wants to be, and we'll end with this, like how would you lead someone that comes to you as a parent and you help guide their kid and also lead the parent well so they're not throwing their kid in, in with something that is over, uh, going to overwhelm them, overcome them, and push them past the place that they are to grow. I think you have to establish a connection with someone you trust. Whether, you know, if we're talking in the arena, you know, if, if either the kid or the parent doesn't trust me, there's no possibility for growth. You know, whenever you're fighting bulls, you have to do what to do because you were told to. It doesn't, sometimes it doesn't mean, it doesn't make any common sense to run at a bull. So I need you to do it because I told you to. And if you can trust me and get your own understanding out of the way, then you'll have a chance for success. Just like if, if you know, if we were trying to encourage a parent to bring their kids to camp, establish a connection with somebody you trust you or Joe or something like that because if you send them to camp but you don't trust us there's no possible way for them to have any kind of growth so you know trust on our judgment not your own and you know and but not only that but eat the fish spit out the bones be smart enough to hear what they say and use your own judgment to see if it's right or wrong dang I've been saying that here lately listen Eat the chicken, but leave the bones. Yeah. You know, you don't have to believe and you don't have to partner up with absolutely everything that's said or done and, and get around get around people that you know and there's fruit mm-hmm. around those people. So we're getting it on this. I love you. Thank you. Um, how can people get connected with you? Because there's going to be a new crowd that's listening to this hey, compared to, you know. The, the easiest way is uh, my Instagram's public. It's just at TuckerLane13. I answer all my DMs. So. Yeah. That's, and that's yeah, it. Pretty much that's easy. And then not only that, but um, if if there's a cool bullfighting video or a cool bullfighting wreck, it will be there. So and and too, like, what if there's somebody that's listening to this that they're like, hey, we want to put on a school. Can they get in touch with you that Abs- way? Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm trying to look into hopefully creating my own school um, sometime. I'm this year I'll produce my own bullfight in Pawhuska um, for kind of kids that are up and coming to try to get into freestyle bullfighting. Um, and then, of course, I teach the bullfighting at the rodeo bobble camps for kids 18 under. And if you're above 18, uh, you can go to SankeyRodeoSchools.com and you can learn from uh, bullfighting from me there. There you go. What I do is not who I am with Tucker Lane. You guys be blessed. Over and out. In Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. And if you have any questions about the podcast or questions for Leanne, please check out her website at leannehartministries.com. That's L-E-A-N-N-H-A-R-T ministries.com. If you'd like to book Leanne, you can do that for your services or event. 
and you can go to bookings on leanhartministries.com. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with Leanne, you can do that by reaching out on social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, as well as leannehartministries.com.